Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Good afternoon, White Sox fans. This is Tony Marchese, and today we have a special guest on the show, Sean Roberts. Sean, we've been talking about doing this post-game show since probably the season started. Unfortunately, it was not a White Sox winner that we get to talk about this afternoon, but I am excited to have you on the show today. Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's a, a beautiful day here in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, You know, enjoy, enjoying a great taste, less filling. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, we've been talking about doing this for a while and it's funny the weekends that you've, you know, asked like, Hey, are you good this way? And I was like, no, I can't. Or the weekends I'm like, Hey, I'm available. And like, no, we got everything covered. And I was like, oh crap. So, uh, no, but happy to be able to hop on with you and talk some White Sox baseball, even after a loss. Hey, it, it, it there's nothing better than enjoying a few beverages talking about a White Sox game. I know today, like we said, did not go the way we wanted it to. Um, but there was a, there's a lot to unpack from this one, and I think we're going to get into some other topics. Uh, we've, we're going to try and keep this one short. It's Saturday afternoon. I know everybody's got places to be. I know you're hitting the golf course uh, this afternoon, too. Um, great way, great day to play some, uh, some Twilight Golf, Sean. I'm, I'm, I'm jealous. I'm envious of your, of your plans. Um, yeah, 6 p.m. tea time. I haven't golfed in like the last four weeks, so I'm trying to cram in as much as I can this weekend because I, I have a free weekend. So I was at the range last night. I got tea time tonight, tea time tomorrow morning, and uh, just uh, I, I'm obsessed. I, I, I feel you there, man. I, I feel you. I haven't talked much golf on this show. Uh, I did get out with Johnny uh, once this this year so far. Uh, you know, we were we were uh, listening to a Sox game out on the golf course, and uh, it was it was a good time. I think that uh, everybody should should pick up golf. That's just my that's just my thing. But we're here to talk some White Sox baseball. But before we do that, Sox on Tap presented by On Tap Sportsnet and Grandstand. Grandstand, man, I, I don't know if you saw the tweets. I, I normally do an ad read here. I don't know if you saw the tweets, but today, man, that place was absolutely yeah. packed. I thought, was it uh, My Sock Summer from, from the 108 that put it out there that the grandstand line was in the alley, all the way into the alley or whatever? Yes, and I think that has a little bit something to do with the uniforms the Sox were wearing today, Sean. Those City Connect jerseys came out today. They looked absolutely fantastic. Give me some thoughts on the, on the City Connect jerseys because we saw I, Boston. They were terrible. What do you yeah. think about the Sox? Boston's was terrible. I kind of liked Miami, um, what the Marlins came out with. But I think right now the leader in the clubhouse is easily the White Sox. I mean, the jersey, it uh, it speaks White Sox. You know, it speaks South Side. It speaks – I like the lettering. Um, I like the all black. It's a, it's a really clean look. And I think I saw a tweet today. Um, during the game that this is going to be an alternate uniform. Now it's not just going to be a one and done type deal. So I don't know. You know, it's funny. I was watching it's about the second or third inning today. And I was like, man, I picture it right now. 
game one playoff game at the rate at the G spot blackout game and they, they go with the city connects wouldn't that be sick it absolutely they, would they, I was they won't. I, they won't they'll just wear you know like the white jerseys because they're basic they want to be basic but wouldn't that be sick man it would it would and it would set a tone too I think exactly. it would it would definitely set a tone I, I I really enjoyed the all black I'm a big fan of the all black jerseys when the Hawks wear them yeah um you know just there's something about a team in all black and and goddamn man like I don't want to I don't want to go up and down and comment but every single one of those players look absolutely badass in that uniform today absolutely even Tony Larusa I mean even Tony Larusa was the, was rocking the, that thing crooked hat man you knew what he was doing. TLR, man. You and you know I'm a I'm a sucker for the for the cocked hat there. I mean that was the Alex Calame thing, trying to come up with a little slogan for for Tony Larusa with the cocked hat. But we'll see what we get. We'll see what we get out of that. Yeah. Um, not a great display in those jerseys today, though. Let's let's get into this game. White Sox lose by a final of four to three to the Detroit Tigers. Um, this one got off to a good start for the White Sox. Uh, Lucas Giolito kind of cruises through that first inning, and then uh, you get Tim Anderson up, uh, gets on base, and Nicky Madrigal drives him in uh, for a one nothing lead in the bottom of the first. Sean, you thought that this thing was just going to continue uh, from what they were doing last night uh, with that comeback victory. Good, good start for the White Sox, though. Yeah, you know, Lucas gets out there, gets, you know, no runs in the first. You're thinking, okay, here we go. They got the City Connects on. This is just, this screams 7-2 White Sox victory. Everyone goes happy on a Saturday, you know, goes home happy on a Saturday. Tim Anderson, I just, I love that man so much. I He's my favorite player on the team. Gets uh, gets on the board early with that with the double, and then Nicky Madrigal hits him in. Um, and you think, yeah, we're off and running here. This is just a continuation of, last night and then it just went away um and then unfortunately you know lucas you know as we i'm sure we'll break down here um was it three home runs was the total one two run bomb and yeah lucas giolito just did not have his best stuff and we can we can break into that right now uh you know what final line on Lucas Giolito, seven innings pitched, gave up seven hits, four runs, all of them earned. He did strike out nine, give up three home runs. It was kind of just death via the long ball there for him, uh, Sean, tonight. And, you know, I really like the way he finished this game in the seventh inning. Um, he, he cruised through that seventh. I was happy that uh, Tony left him in for that. Uh, but if we want to talk about the body of work a as a whole here from Lucas Giolito, he was just touched up in a lot of spots where – you don't like to see him give up those those long balls. And I think that that kind of gets to Lucas's head just a little bit. And I think you and I have talked about that uh, throughout the course of the season so far. Yeah, there's something there's something ha happening, I, I believe. Because if you look at his reactions to things and look at – I've never seen a really good pitcher have this much emotion all the time. Like a starting pitcher, I mean, you know, like you're closer. Yeah, you're going to be emotional and, and you get a big strikeout here and there. But I mean, if he doesn't get a called strike, he, you know, stabs at the ball and walks around the, mall, or the mound. And um, I, and two, to point to that first home run, I believe it was a one-two count and he left the changeup up. And he's been leaving a lot of pitches up this year. And that's the difference between a really good Lucas Giolito and the Lucas Giolito that's, what, I think a 500 pitcher now, if you want to go off of a off of record um he's leaving pitches up and you can't leave changeups up 
and you can't leave sliders up because those balls will get hit. They will get hit hard. And unfortunately, that's what Lucas ran into today. Yeah, and Sean, I think that uh, we've seen some different some different looks of Lucas Giolito. We've seen the Lucas Giolito when he's on. We we know that he had the the incident in Boston. We want to bring this back to some City Connect jerseys. Um, you know they, that was probably the worst start that we've seen from him since 2018. Um, you know there, there's just been a really up and down. Uh, season so far from Lucas Giolito. Uh, Matt Berklin, I'll bring the comment back up. Why has Cats fixed everyone then can't get Giolito? I don't know if it's that Cats can't fix Giolito. There's a lot of, there's not a lot of fixing to do here, in my opinion. And we've, talked, he, we've talked about that, Tony. We've talked, we've talked about, you think Lucas is putting too much pressure on himself because of Yeah. That. Yeah. And I, I think that there's, there's definitely something to say. And I, I don't want to go out and make excuses for Lucas Giolito. That's that's not what I'm trying to say here. But I think that there is a difference in comfortability pitching to Zach Collins or Yasmani Grandal than he had with James McCann. And I think that he trusted McCann's pitch, pitch selection a little bit better than, than what he's got going on with the current guys. And that's not to say that Lucas Giolito can't throw to them. It's to say that Lucas Giolito is out there on the mound and maybe he feels a little bit less tr less trust and that's affecting where he's putting balls and leaving stuff up a little bit because, I don't know, I, I, I've pitched before, I know you've pitched before. If you don't have that good rapport, some things can get away from you. Uh, despite having the comfortability of you know his high school pitching coach and the guy that, that quote-unquote fixed him over that off season before you saw him throw a really impressive, what was that? 2019. Um, there, there's still something there where you're not getting that fully crisp version. And I, I really love what you were saying uh, just a little bit ago and stuff that we've talked about where Lucas Giolito, he, he gets a little moody on the mound. Yeah. And it's a side of Lucas that we haven't really seen. Um, I just, it's something that I picked up on this year and me have, Every time I feel like he starts, me and you text about it, like, oh, here comes Lucas. He's pacing around the mound, or he's doing this, he's doing that. And it's a side that we haven't seen. Like, you can't be a really good starting pitcher and, and be a mental head case at the same time. And I'm not saying that Lucas is a head case, but there's, in, there's instances where he does it on the mound. And if you really follow it, and if you really pay attention to it, you notice it. Um, and it's just... And I don't know if it has anything to do with cats being there or whatever the case is. I think too, also Tony, I think he's trying to do a little too much. I think he knows he's the ace of this staff. And I think he's, it's almost like he goes out there every time. And if he gives up a run, he goes, I'm the ace. I can't give up runs. I can't do this, do that. Just pitch your game, pitch your game, locate your change up, place your fastball, throw the, the, the high fastball and you'll be fine. You know, but I think sometimes he goes, I got to strike out everybody or, if I don't, they're going to hit – like, you're doing too much. This is a different team. This isn't a 2019 White Sox team. This isn't even the 2020 White Sox team. This is a team that will get you runs more than likely, right? Like, you don't have to do everything yourself. Look at Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel goes out every game and is probably going to give up two to three runs, almost guaranteed, unless for whatever reason he doesn't get touched up. But what does he do? He keeps you in a ball game. That's what Lucas needs to do more on a consistent basis. And since that Boston, I mean, that Boston start, I think really, really mentally got to him.
Yeah, I would, I would agree with that one. I, I would definitely agree with what you're saying there. Um, you know, you want to see Lucas Giolito rely a little bit on the defense because yeah. you're not going to, you're not going to strike everybody out. I know the seventh inning that he came out and through was absolutely <laughs> impressive. Looked great. Yeah. Looked, looked awesome. And, and Lucas has the ability to overpower hitters. That's definitely there. I think that he does need to find some sort of mixture of both where, you know, sometimes you're just on and you're going to be able to blow that fastball by any hitter and, and have that confidence. But if, if, if it's just not working for you, you need to be able to rely on the defense and do some ground balls, get through innings, keep that pitch count low. I was, I was really happy that, you know, he had the ability to go out for the seventh today because of, of where he was. Um, and a lot of that stuff came off of home runs where he was getting touched up. So it, yeah. there, there wasn't there wasn't really an inning for Lucas today where it was like, ah, shit. Like, there, here's a 30-40 pitch inning. This is going to ruin this. We're going to have to go to the bullpen. You felt yeah. like you were in this in this game. In the game, right. Yeah, you felt like you were in this game. But I just feel like there was there's a lot of hard contact off him this year, and that's been a little bit troubling. Moving on a little bit, though, Sean, I want to talk about – uh, the White Sox offense here. They they did get the run in the first, like we talked about. We get to the sixth inning. Uh, Sox are down by a score of four to one. They come up and they put together a little bit of a rally here. And I think the thing that everybody's going to want to talk about is the decision to bunt Danny Mendick after you've already put up two. You got runners on first and second. Uh, Danny Mendick tries to bunt nobody out in that situation. Um, I don't know if it was Tony calling for the bunt. I'm assuming it was Tony calling for the bunt. I think that anybody who's listening to the show knows uh, that I guess you can consider me somewhat of a, a TLR stand. I did not agree with the bunt uh, going down the first baseline. You have some strong opinions on this. Let's talk about it. Yeah. You know, like I'm not, you know, I texted you and I go, I really hate bunting there, but I'm also kind of 50, 50 on that. If the, if you are going to bunt, you don't, bunt to a charging first baseman right you bunt that down the third baseline the runners move up they sacrifice the, if you're going to give up an out make it difficult and don't let it get the lead runner right and you can tell the way danny bunted the ball he was bunting towards first base the whole time i mean he stabbed at it went directly to the first baseline wasn't even trying to get it down the third baseline having said that also to go to jason Manetti's point that he brought up on the broadcast why give up an out there you are rope and base hits and doubles off Derek Holland at the time he had I mean what was his stat line he had he's faced like eight White Sox hitters and hasn't gotten an out yet and it's, it's something like along those lines this season and we give him a freebie and, and not only a freebie but one at third base so if you're going to give him the freebie get the runners on second and third I'm not against the bunt but if you're going to do it you got to get it down the third baseline well, so one of the things that I even I, I talked to you about this too. I, I'm I'm okay with the bunt in that situation because you can get yourself second and third with one out and an opportunity for a sack fly to tie the game in that situation. However, you just can't put yourself in a position where you don't have a runner on third at the end of that, and that results in uh, you know going down the first baseline like we talked about gives that first baseman the opportunity for the force at third. You cannot do that. You cannot do that at all. Um, you know, other than that, you have to look at the situation like you talked about. Derek Holland, that this is this is prime White Sox, you know, hitting territory here. This is this is where right. they should be able to continue a rally. Didn't really like didn't really like the bunt. However, before 
uh, the pitch was thrown. I'll be honest. I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say, I would like a bunt in this situation. Move the runners over. Put yourself in scoring – two runners in scoring position. You can you can take the lead off of a single in your next at-bat. So I see where I see where Tony was going with it. Poor execution, but all around. I, I, this is just one of those plays where if it breaks the other way and you wind up with a runner on second and third – and you wind up driving two in. I think everybody's celebrating the fact that we got the bunt over. Right. I I, I think this is another one of those those tough decisions that did not go uh, the White Sox way. And you know, there it is. You got to live with that decision. It's um, one of those things, Tony. If he gets the ball, say he gets the bunt down the third baseline, you get second and third, one out, and then who is who can Tim, Timmy comes up after him. Yep. Knocks in a base hit. No one's talking about this. No. But no, no, nobody's talking about it. Not a big deal. So, I mean, it's one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't. But I see it from both ends. You know, there's I see, okay, yeah, I get why we're bunting here, but then I also see, like, like I said, Jason Benetti's point, like, why giving out here? You know. Well, and that just you know, if we want to dig into that, that goes into some money ball theory of, you know, don't don't waste an out there. And, and Danny Mendick should be able to drive the ball off of Derek Holland. That, and I think that that's where a lot of people come back and will say, this was a bad call from TLR. I, and I can, I can respect that one there. There's, there's a lot of things that I don't think are fair. Uh, when people come after Tony for it, I think this one is, is on the line and there's, there's definitely some questioning about that, but uh, regardless, the Sox do uh, put themselves back in the ball game in this inning. And Sean, I was feeling at this point in time, and I don't know about you. I felt like the Sox could still pull this out. The Detroit bullpen, not great. You saw the White Sox get to them yesterday. Um, you know, thoughts from you on where we are after that inning, despite the, uh, the inability to be opportunistic as our guy, Johnny Nani would say, and, and tie the ball game or take the lead here. I, Tony, I don't, I think every game this year, unless it's a complete blowout, I think the Sox are in it. I think the Sox, I'm opportunistic anytime um, watching this team this year. Like, we texted, we were texting each other last night. Like, I didn't even have emotion last night in the walk-off win. I just had a smile on my face because, like you said, the story's right in itself. Like, it is, it is, it is happening right in front of us. This team is in any game. They have, even with all the injuries, put all the injuries in there. They're in any game. So, after that inning, even after we don't get anything else after the, the, the couple runs, um, I was like, okay, well, we still got what three, three innings or three at bats left. We'll get something. We'll scratch something across here. This team isn't going to go down without a fight. And I hated the term Ricky's Ricky boys don't quit or whatever. I despise that because it always meant that we were losing, but, uh, um, this team doesn't quit it. It has no quit in it. So I, I was after, I was very, I thought we were going to definitely come back. and win this game. Yeah. If there's one thing that, that Ricky Renteria, that mentality, kind of stuck with this team. It's its ability to fight back in ball games. And that's something that I think is important. I, I do agree with you. I don't, I don't like having slogans based off of losing ball games. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a little lame and weak. Uh, when, when you, when you Ricky's, Ricky boys don't quit. We're losing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that shit either. It, it, we're not trying to build a lovable loser mentality on right. this, on this uh, side of Chicago. So, so to speak. No, lover, uh, lovable loser mentality. There's a lot of stuff happening in the stands. That's a uh, lovable loser mentality. And yeah. Would you, would you like to, would you like to discuss some of that? Uh, we've got a few minutes here. Uh, just before, before we get to it though, 
that's going to end the scoring for this ball yeah, game. And that's, that that kind of writes the the end of the book there. Um, the Sox unable to get through anything else. Uh, or even scratch another run across the plate. Uh, kind of disappointing. Uh, and the, the final score does wind up being 4-3. Detroit wins this one. But I think that this is important because it's something that I've talked about on Twitter. I, I've seen you talk about it. There's a lot of debate around this. Let's talk about what's going on in the stands at 35th and Shields. So I'm going to give you the floor here and just let you run with this for a minute, and then I'll say my piece. Yeah, I don't I, – I've never – first of all, I, I've never been a fan of the wave trash. I, I hate it. I never want to partake in it. Um, I, but Tony, I would much rather have the wave going on than a ball getting hit into the bleachers or you know the right field seats and somebody's tossing it back onto the field. That doesn't. We don't. We don't, we don't do that on the south side. That's not. That's not our thing. I've never liked it anyway. But that's not what we do. We're. I, we are different. Like that's the beauty of why there's a South side and North side and white Sox and Cubs fan base. We do different things, right? What, what are we always known for? Like growing up, it was always, well, Cub fans, they don't, they, they just go there to drink beer. They don't pay attention to the game. They have nothing, you know, they get a home run ball. They throw it back onto the field, whatever the case is. White Sox fans are like, we go there. Yeah, we drink, we have fun, but we pay attention. We know exactly what's going on in the game and we don't do dumb shit like that. And, I don't know. I don't know if it's because people were locked in a house for an entire year or whatever the case is, but we got cup snakes going on. We got balls being thrown back onto the field. I just see a lot of that type bullshit that we see at Wrigley happening at at Guaranteed Rate Field. And I and I I hate it so much. Like Cup Snakes, whatever. Like if that is the if that's I don't I don't agree with it but whatever you're conceding the cup snake here exactly like I'll, I'll concede the cup snake like just stop throwing the ball back onto the field stop like, well i've seen that i've seen i've seen a lot of things and you've been you've been there i haven't been, I've there, been there i've been there a few times this year so far it, it's I, and i think that there might be some covid build up here but i also think it's the energy around the team and this is this is a chicago thing and i don't want to be a fan gatekeeper that's not what i'm trying to do right. here i i, I don't want to i i love when the ballpark is lively oh, i love the energy i think that the Sox have missed that for so long yeah. i think that you know it, it it's finally time where people are interested in this team it's it's great to have the national media attention around it. I think that those are all good things for the White Sox organization. It means that money's coming into the stadium. It means that the the ballpark is going to have that atmosphere. But I also kind of look at this as the White Sox are relevant now. People want to be associated with being a White Sox fan, and there's going to be a lot of. I hate to I hate to use this term, but there are bandwagon fans because people want to be around fun atmospheres. You saw this with the Blackhawks; every single game was packed. For Blackhawks were kings at it they were for kings. ten years, and the White Sox have finally put themselves into a stage of relevancy where you are going to see people, specifically in the age range of of sixteen to twenty five, who are going to come out there that normally would probably, in my opinion be going to Wrigley Field in the bleachers. And that's the type of crowd that you're going to get there as well as, you know, ticket prices, right? There's a, there's a lot of things that that happen when a team is good and you're starting to experience that because it's, it's cool to be a White Sox fan now. 
You're seeing it. I'm sure you see it too. It's cool to be a White Sox fan now. Yep. So everybody wants to be there. You've got a lot of people who are ready to go out and party after COVID, and they're going to do whatever they're going to do. And they've seen it in Wrigley Field for years to throw balls back, to build cup snakes, to do the wave, to do all of that type of stuff that – you know, the, 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 the Sox fan who's been there through the rebuild, the Sox fan who's been there when there's 5,000 in the stadium, and you can make all the jokes you want about, un, you know, unpacked crowds and, and nobody being at a White Sox game. That's, that's fair territory. Just like it's fair territory for us to say everybody's been going to Wrigley and not paying attention to the ball game, you're going to start to get some of that shit at the White Sox game, and I think that, you know, it, it just for me personally, and it sounds like you're in the same camp as me, some of that new blood that's in there that really hasn't understood what the traditions are, what the what the, the backstory is, they don't they don't care, they don't know, they're just there to have fun. And, and it, it, it does shine somewhat in a bad light for that diehard fan who's been following this team, going to the game, supporting them for oh. so long. And I think that that's where – this is going to meet a crossroads. I think that's where you've seen some, some fights in the stands. You've seen a lot of energy from people who've been pent up for a while, but I, I think that there is a sense of White Sox fans trying to keep that sanctity of what it means to be a White Sox fan as well. Again, not trying to gatekeep, just trying to explain the behavior. It's like, I think it's also a lot of, like you said, a lot of us that have grown up going to that park and grown up going through just God awful times and, and, and rebuilds and teams that were supposed to compete that were just absolute disappointments. And growing up as a kid going like, okay, they throw the ball back at Wrigley, like whatever. We, we're not going to do that shit over there. That's, the, that's their thing. We got our things and it is what it is. And now so it's like seeing it happen. Now it's like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> you know, but, 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 but Tony, it is, I will say this, and again, because I've only been able to watch on TV, I'm not there, but it comes across on the broadcast. That place sounds like a effing party. It and does. It does. Electric. It's. Uh, I think what they've done with the lights on home runs and everything. That I mean, it was always cool with the fireworks, but now they're adding that element into things. That place looks like a place you want to go watch a Friday or Saturday night baseball game. And the Sox, I, for the longest time, have never had that, whether it's a team on the field or it just, they've never really had that. You know, I granted again, team on the field is a lot of that, but um, it, it it's a place that it sounds lively. It's uh, I love the Detroit sucks chance. Always have always will. God bless them. But you know, it just, it sounds like I was very jealous. I was not at the game last night. And I felt like that a lot, you know, being out here in Des Moines, I feel like that a lot on watching home games and seeing like you and Buzz and, and you know, White Sox Dave and Nani out there. And it, it, there's a jealousy factor, definitely for like for me, you know, but you guys have it, it's a fun atmosphere right now. I just. There's that 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 diehard in me that's like, don't start doing this shit, you know. Yeah, I, I totally agree, because when you're there, you're like, this is awesome. The place is lively. This is so cool. And then, you know, the, the wave breaks out. You're just like, come on now. <laughs> this is normally reserved for, like, Cubs-Sox games. You know, stuff stuff that you would only see when when the Cubs are playing the White Sox. And, and that's the type of atmosphere you get. That's the type of fan you're going to get that wants to come out there. I mean, you look at, the like I said, the, the Madhouse uh, when, the, when the Hawks were good. 
this team has the ability right now to pack the house. I've seen, you know, even with the limited capacity, you watch a Tuesday afternoon game right now, the stands are still packed almost yeah. more than what you would see well, on a 2019, 2018 game uh, when there were no COVID restrictions. It's, it's incredible. incredible. You throw a 2017 Wednesday one o'clock start in in April, and you're lucky if you got four thousand there. Right, exactly. And I mean, you can make all the jokes you want about it. Yeah. Um, if if you if you are not I, a Sox fan, I deal with it on the radio all the time, Tony. Yeah, I, I was going to ask because you're you're in you're in Cubs land. You're, you're basically in Cubs land. I'm sure you've you've heard this, but are you ready? Are you ready if this team? is successful over this next five-year period. Let's say we've got a five-year stretch. Maybe they, they rattle off one to two World Series, multiple playoff appearances over that stretch. Are you ready as a White Sox fan? I think that this is something that we all need to ask ourselves. Are you ready as a White Sox fan to have that type of, like, there's a ton of bandwagon fans? We, I mean, as a Hawks fan, I saw there, there there's no Hawks gear around unless, like, you know, you, you go to Jewel or you, you're just walking around the city. For 10 years, man, it you was Hawks, gears, Hawks jerseys. That That's all gone. You, you see White Sox stuff now. Are, are you ready for it to be that type of, I'm, of atmosphere? I'm absolutely ready for it. I just – there's there's certain things – like I'm I'm 100% ready for it. I, I'm so happy that the White Sox are relevant. I get very braggadocious on the radio out here about it. Um, but just like some of the shit that I've seen, it's like – all right, hold on now. So how do we how do we educate I don't people know. as as, as I don't Sox know. fans? How do we educate people? I don't know because, like you said, you're gonna get a bunch of sixteen to twenty five year olds that go out there and they're looking for a fun Saturday afternoon. And oh man, uh, if we do some cup snakes, that's gonna get us to go viral and we'll be all over social media. And that's the whole point of everything. And it's like that shit's you know ten miles down the road. Don't do that shit here, you know. But who's to say you know? If I, I don't even know if like if I were to get wrapped up in an atmosphere, you know, you get forty thousand people packed in. Socks are you know up by a run. Place is lively. It's a Friday night. I've had ten Miller lights, and here we go. You know, it, who knows? But there's just some things. Like, I think it's more the home run thing that's really got me. Yes, you know, like the home run that was hit today that got thrown back on the field, and then Benetti comes on the broadcast and says, "For future reference, if you throw a home run back on the field, you're gone." You know, so if you want to see all 27 outs, don't do that. Um, but, yeah, that's the stuff that I don't want to see. Like, don't pick up traditions that are meant for – that the Cubs have started. Like, what are we doing here? But, again, I don't know how we stop it. I don't know how we police it. All we can do is bitch about it, right? <laughs> exactly. All right, let's 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 move let's move past some of that. We've got a ball game tomorrow to talk yep. about. Um, the White Sox will, again, play Detroit – we're going to have Dylan Cease on the mound against Jose Urena. Uh, Cease coming in 3-2 and two with a 3.79 ERA. He struck out 68 on the year. Uh, Urena, 2-4-4, uh, four, four, 14, 35 strikeouts. This should be a guy that the White Sox should be able to get to, Sean. Uh, you've had a few guys who've hit him uh, fairly well. Uh, Jake Lamb, uh, one of them, uh, betting 400 against him in five at-bats as well. Uh, Lou Garcia has seen him a little bit. Tim Anderson only had two at-bats against him, does have a hip. They've seen this guy. They should be able to get to him. Um, on the flip side, uh, Detroit is fairly familiar with Dylan Cease as well, uh, but he's he's fared all right against them. What are your thoughts on tomorrow's ballgame, Sean? I'm interested to see how Dylan bounces back. I mean, that's my, my main thing because – 
Um, he didn't look that great last start. Uh, what do you? How many? What did he go? Three and a third, or something like that. It wasn't. He wasn't. It was the worst start of the year for. But Dylan yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is this is the stuff that I look for. Like, how does he bounce back from that? Um, how? What's his? What's his emotions like? You know, he's done a really good job after kind of about the first month to. Um, you know, his whole knock was, dude, he's going three, two on every hitter. He's got 70 pitches after, you know, at the, in the middle of the third inning, he's not lasting very long. He's done a good job of getting away from that last, last game looked like old Dylan. So I want to see how this bounce, how he bounces back here. I'm not worried about the White Sox offense. Lurie Garcia probably will get the start in center field because we don't know what's going on with Billy Hamilton. Now just add another possible injury. I mean, I don't know how serious it is. You get taken out of a game. I think it could be somewhat at least a 10 days minimum, right? Um, so we'll see what happens with that. I think the Sox win this series and they just keep rolling on. And at this point, Tony, I mean, yeah, losses like today suck. Win a series. Win the series and that's all that matters. Keep racking up division wins as much as you can. Keep racking up wins in general. Cleveland's not going away anytime soon, but if you can just keep putting the pressure on them to win, that team's going to fold, I, I would believe. Here in the next two months, at least I think, I don't know. Um, I will never cancel. I said today on my radio show, I'm never going to cancel out the Twins until it says that they're, they've are they been eliminated or they start selling off pieces. Um, Royals are playing good baseball now, so just keep, win a series. Go out there, play good baseball. Like we, me and you text all the time, just play good baseball, right? Like just yep. play competitive, good baseball. Like, you know, stuff today really wasn't anything out of the ordinary outside of do we bunt there, do we not bunt there? Lucas is going to give a few home runs. That's baseball. It is what it is. Um, the mental errors that we were seeing at the beginning of the season look like they've kind of gone away, um, except for whatever Yohan Mankata did stealing second base today. I don't know what the hell that Oof. was. I call it Mankata inconsistencies, but because one day he'll look like the greatest player that's ever played the game of baseball, and then he goes out and looks like he doesn't give a shit. So don't know what it is, but um, no, I think tomorrow the Sox go out and win. I'm not too worried. I am interested to see how Dylan Cease bounces back, though. I am as well, Sean. And I think that uh, one thing that uh, our guy, NWI Steve, no longer on Twitter, I'm sure you know him. Um, yeah. You know, he, he was sexing with the uh, Sox on Tap group the other day. And uh, during Dylan Cease's last start, he said, hot take, I don't think that Dylan Cease is fully ready yet. Um, and my response to that is if Dylan Cease is not fully ready, if this is not the final form of Dylan Cease, that's a good thing. Yeah. You want to see him develop. I think we've seen a lot of development out of Cease this year, um, comparative to all the versions of Dylan Cease that we've seen in the past. Um, he's getting through those first few innings. He's getting through that first time through the order. Uh, he's getting guys out. Um, he's gone deep into some ball games. He's been able to keep his pitch count down. He's looked fairly impressive, um, and he is just a – a monster when he is on. And I think that everybody knows that he's got all the talents in the world and he can continue to pitch um, at the level that he has so far this year, but the bounce back stuff, you want guys to face adversity. It goes back to something that Johnny Nani said on, on last night's show. You wanted that. Uh, he wanted to see Garrett crochet come out to start the night because you want to give these guys exposure to high leverage situations. Facing adversity is a good thing, especially for young ball players. And here it is. This is the the real first adversity he's he's really faced this year. I think, in terms of here was a crap start. How do you come back from that and show that you're on, or do you fold under pressure and only go three innings in the next game and have to turn it over to the bullpen? This is going to be a good test for him. 
it's against the Detroit Tigers. He should be able to mow down this lineup. Go six, go six, seven innings strong. Yep. And and you know the offense is, has the ability. It's going to be another hot day at the ballpark. Uh, I want to see Jose Abreu. And if we're going to get into picks to click, I might have to ride with Jose Abreu. I'm going to ask for yours in a second. But there's a guy that I want to see turn it around because the cell is a launch pad right now. And Jose Abreu should be able to hit the ball out of the ballpark. I want to see him hit one. Let the offense do a little work behind Dylan Cease tomorrow. And I think we're talking about another series win. And that's so important, again, like you said, against the division. Yep, win the win the series, and you're not going to sweep everybody, right? Like it's not going to happen. But go out, win the series. I, as long as Dylan, my pitch close is going to be Dylan Cease. He's going to it's going to be Dylan Cease because if we we need him to start getting through five and six consistently, like yes, we do. Has to because because he's at the back end of the rotation bullpen. You never know how much they're being used throughout all these starts. He needs to at least get through five or six. Give us some quality starts. Give back to back to back to back quality starts. Like that's what we need. You know, and that's what we're looking for now as like, it's no longer like happy cease day. Like he's a rookie and all like, no, right. Homie's a, he's part of the rotation. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. Like go out, be your number four, be your number five, be dominant. He has number one and two stuff. If he hones it in, go out, give us a bounce back start. This goes into all that mental stuff. Like we talked about Lucas and some of the mental things that he's going through. And it's very noticeable whether people want to admit it or not. Look, watch a game when Lucas Giolito pitches now and watch his emotions on the mound. Dylan doesn't show emotion ever unless he gets a big strikeout maybe. But I, this goes into mental stuff. I want to see how he bounces back. Give us six innings tomorrow. Quality start. Dylan sees gives us a quality start tomorrow. White Sox win the, win the series. I have, you know, I want to disagree with you for just one one moment there. I have seen Dylan Cease show a little bit of emotion as well, and not not exactly the same way that uh, Lucas Giolito does. It, it seems to be almost like a comfort thing. It's it's really weird. Uh, but uh, do you remember the other weekend when it got a little cold in Chicago? Yeah, yeah. He did not look comfortable on the mound. And I thought that that played a little bit to his advantage, the cold weather, which is weird because you're talking about another guy who's used to warm weather. You're talking about a guy that wants to be out there. It almost felt, and this is just a weird baseball thing. And you and I have, have been on weird baseball things. I almost like Dylan Cease uncomfortable a little bit on the mound rather than like in a nice 75 degree day, get him out there in cold, make him want to get back to the dugout, put that right. sweatshirt on. <laughs> and, and he, he, he cruised through that game. Then he yeah. comes out, uh, in his last appearance, nice, warm, sunny Chicago day, um, and just did not look great. So, um, just weird things that I notice. I know you're you're a big fan of that stuff too. So, I wanted to bring that up with you. Yeah, me and you pick up on weird things. I think we look at weird things throughout a, throughout a ball game, but we pick up we pick up on it because one, we we love the team and we analyze it, you know, and and we play the game. When you play the game, you pick you you pick up on little things and whether you're an opposing team or not, like I, I, I revert back to Lucas all the time because it's so noticeable. And if I'm on the other dugout and he starts doing that shit, it's like, we're in his head. We got him, you know? Mm -hmm. And I know Lucas does a lot of mental stuff. Like he does a lot of mental practice stuff, which is why I'm so like, where's this all coming from? Why is he stabbing at the ball every time he doesn't get a call or he just looks like he's pissed off all the time, you know? So I, I don't know, but, but yeah, no, I, I like that. Keep going uncomfortable.
that's just something that uh, you know the wife and I noticed during the last uh, time we were watching this game. So I had to bring it up for uh, I had to bring it up for this, Sean. Uh, before we close this one down, we've got our picks to click. Uh, I went with Jose Abreu. You're going with Dylan Cease. You're the only other person uh, on this show besides Buzz uh, this year to take a pitcher as the pick to click. And, you know, you never know. You might see Dylan Cease get out there and then, you know, take the bat into his hands because we've seen him do that before and, and do it with some success. But before we go, Sean, uh, for those who do not know where to find you, uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can so I uh, I work for 1460 and 106.3 KXNO, Des Moines Sports Station. Um, I do a morning show Monday through Friday called The Morning Rush. And then I also host a Saturday morning show um, from 8 to 10. You can find it on iHeartRadio um, if you have the app. And then I also run a uh, host a podcast called The Shant Rush Show with me and my buddies. Uh, it's kind of us just talking about our lives. It's normal, normal 30, like what's going on in a 30, 31-year-old's life. Um, but we have a lot of fun and, and we've made a business out of it. So uh, it's, I would say it's successful, um, but take a listen that you can listen to those podcasts anywhere. You can listen to a podcast with Apple, Spotify, all that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, you can find me also on Twitter at Sean 23 Roberts. Um, I try and say a lot of sarcastic things. I don't take myself too serious on there. You're a good Twitter follow, Sean. That's, that's, don't, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> I appreciate that. So, uh, but yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thank everybody for tuning in. And uh, we will be back tomorrow with another Sox on tap post game show presented by on tap sports net and grandstand. Uh, if you're heading over to grandstand, I don't know if they've got any of those city connect jerseys left, uh, but that's probably the best place that you can go to find one of them. Those things look sweet. Hopefully the next time they wear those, we're talking about a white Sox winner on this show. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. buddy. It was a pleasure talking white Sox baseball with you. I hope to get you back on this show. Maybe we'll go a little bit longer, talk about some other stuff um, in regards to white Sox baseball and just everything else that's going on. Uh, hit them straight, hit the fairways today, Sean. I know you're excited to go, to go get on that golf course. Um, a little warm up round before tomorrow morning. There you go. Have a good one, Sean. As we like to close this show down, always White Sox forever. That's right. White Sox forever. Cheers. <laughs>